Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. chapter 24 verses 1 to 7. Um, when I finish reading, I will say this is the word of the Lord. Please respond with um, thanks be to God. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly, Two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Owade. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. That's better now. All right, and good morning to those who are watching with us online. You're welcome to, uh, for those of, some of us, our second Easter um, service. My name is Femi Oshunui, and if you're here with us for the first time, we're so happy that you've uh, decided to worship with us and give us your time. And I hope this would uh, be a blessed time for you. Um, some of us like to think that we are very special and unique people, right? You like to think about how you are distinct from other people. It's fine. But I don't want to ask about your distinction from other people. I want to ask collectively we, as a human race, and therefore you individually, um, what makes you different from a chimpanzee? <laughs> because when you... Um, Think about you. Look, I mean, it's not the differences aren't that much, right? It's a bit like I don't know. I beg, I beg, Okay, what is from at the DNA level? What's the difference uh, at the DNA level? What's the difference between you and chimpanzee percentage-wise? Thirty percent, forty percent, the DNA of a chimpanzee is 98.7% similar to your own. So say hello to your cousin. <laughs> Some people are still, is the, the truth. You can't argue with it. Now, here's some other aspect to the truth. First of all, 1.3% difference at a biological level, has, it carries a, a lot more significance than you know. That's the first thing. But second is this. You would say that we are so similar if you are only uh, looking at the difference from a biological, uh, uh, at a biological level. But there are ways in which we are actually very distinct. And nobody's going to say it's just 1.3%. For instance, 
they, we don't have any evidence that chimps um, love to, they like music, or that they sing, or they create music. When last have you attended the annual chimp Grammys? You know, it was in uh, this thing, in the, Mount, uh, the Amazon forest. Yeah? Have you been invited? If somebody invites you for that, <laughs> just know you're you not going to come back as a human being. But there's another aspect in which we are very different. And that is in the place of words. Words. Chimpanzees may make sounds, all right. But we have not seen them communicate via sentences. We've not seen a chimpanzee yet write a poem. We've not seen a chimpanzee write an article. We've not seen a chimpanzee move on the bestseller list. Have you bought any? Because I know some of you, you communicate through certain mediums or something like that. I don't know. OK, I'm not. Let me take that back. But words are extremely powerful. They separate us as human beings from all the other species. Because the way we communicate with each other is what makes us actually achieve things. Right? We came here because you saw words that said you should come at 9.45. Right? You, uh, for some of us who are coming here for the first time, you are able to get here because somebody was able to use words to direct you to this place. And you see, it's not just words that matter, but our reaction to words. For those of you who are married or you're dating someone, let's say you go and pick the person, uh, the person comes to pick you up and says, my God, you look beautiful today. You know how you feel. You, you almost, the next thing you say is, really? I like the person didn't know what, and say, oh, no, let me change. Ah, no, I actually take that back. No, but you know why you ask really? Because you want to hear it again. The word, just the words. The person didn't do anything to you. The person said words, and that communicated something. Imagine another scenario, and the person came and said, did you look at the mirror at all today? Uh, okay, okay, when are you going to change? Uh, that would crush us. Because not just the words, but the reaction to the words is why the Bible says that you are able to bring someone down and you're able to lift someone up. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And guess what? On the resurrection morning, the most important event, not just in the Christian calendar, but all of human history, it was a day of words. And it was a day of reaction to those words. And I know that there are people here today who need a word, a word of hope. Maybe before you came, maybe today or yesterday, you received some tragic news. Or maybe you have been dealing with some tragic news, and now you are just like, what is the reason for living? Why? What hope can I hold on to? Can I say, hold on, because Jesus is risen from the dead. There is hope for you. Amen? Amen. And that's what this sermon is about. We've titled it A Word of Hope. And I pray that as these words come, that God will do something powerful. In fact, let us pray and ask for his presence. Lord God Almighty, we come to you now because we cannot do things on our own. The weight of our expectations, the weight of the things we want to do in this life, Lord, many times when we think about it, it's debilitating. And even I feel, oh God, quite ill-equipped to be able to speak your word which is why, O oh Lord, we ask 
for the strength, O oh God, to come from you. Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence so that you will not just help the speaker. We pray that you will help the hearers. And not just that you will help the hearers. We ask that you will go to their hearts and give them burning hearts in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray, O oh God, for lives to be transformed today. We pray, O oh Lord God, for people to not live here the same way they came. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. All right, so we'll look at this sermon title, The Word of Hope, under three, three headings. The first is a word of nonsense, the second is a word of promise, and the third is a word of hope. Word of nonsense, a word of promise, and a word of hope. So let's start with the first one, you, uh, word of nonsense. One of the reasons I like being in Nigeria is, or if, you, if you're a foreigner, you want to learn how to be in Nigeria, one of the things you have to understand is that we have special, a special language. It's called Niger English. Now, I'm not necessarily even talking about Pidgin English. That's another one. But just Niger English. You know, it's words that we uniquely use or we use in a unique way. So, for instance, it was only last year that I realized that trafficator was not a word that everybody used all around the world. Some of you are laughing. You are just finding out now. Like, That's a Nigerian, specific Nigerian English term. Or some is, it's used more broadly, but it's just, the Nigerian way is different. You know, there is a difference between telling someone you are stupid and telling the other the person you are stupid. You see. You are stupid is, yeah, you are, but the, you are stupid means that you are dense. Or my favorite, the first one I learned was when they say, ah, Idiot in Baboyel. You see, there's a difference between an idiot and an idiot. It's a Niger, you understand? But one that we all love, and this one we even say it the same way other people would say it. Sadly, these are all bad words, I don't know why. But we say it the way other people say it, is this word nonsense. It's pronounced that way. But you see, when a Nigerian says nonsense, they squeeze their face in nonsense. And then we do something at the end. We give a Niger his exactly. So they say, nonsense. You know, on the first resurrection morning, you could have taken the apostles to have been Nigerians. You could have mistaken them for Nigerians. Because when the women came back to tell them that this is what we heard that he's been risen, you know what he said in verse 11? He said they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them as what? Nonsense. Thank you. And for many of us, Christians and non-Christians, we actually, in some ways, consider the words about the resurrection as nonsense. For non-Christians, we often think about it, I can categorize it this way, we said, it couldn't happen. For Christians, it is, it doesn't matter, or does it matter? Let me explain, let's take the non-Christian ones. You are a non-Christian, and you say, you know what, this is my take on the resurrection of Jesus. It's impossible for this to happen. But I understand why you have to believe it as a Christian. Your book says it happened. But, you know, I don't believe in made-up stories. I don't believe in myths. I don't believe in fabrications. To which I want to say, huh, let's talk about fabrications. You know, one of the wonderful things about growing up in Lagos is we, Lagos is a sort of oppressive culture, and you have to fight so that nobody will oppress you. 
Did you understand? When you were growing up in secondary school, when we used to go for parties in secondary school, it was all about the clothes. It was all about designers. If somebody, if you wore those days, if you wore a shirt and the shirt did not have a crest, that was a problem. You know, some of you, you know what I mean by crest, right? The Tommy figure lion crest. Tommy had all come out. And if the person didn't, you are looking for uh, white and white and red, or you are looking for the Ralph Lauren. Do you know what I'm talking about the polo? Uh -huh, you know, uh, for you don't you, you 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 have no idea. It was before. It was after your time. Um, <laughs> now, now, here was something else that had to, that used to happen. Somebody would somehow wear. A, a, a shirt, and you see a crest there, but something about the crest. <laughs> something about the crest. So you know what you then do? This is crazy. You go say, "Hey, guy, what's up now?" You just go to the back of the collar, and you just check. You like ebu. You know what ebu means? It means fake. In other words, we have this whole market of fake. Um, uh, counterfeit uh, designer, whatever, right? And you know what the idea when you are trying to do that? You are trying to make the people that are buying it, you are trying to make them believe this is Louis Vuitton, this is Gucci, this is that. You are not trying to make them not believe it. So you actually put that name. In other words, for a fabrication to be good, it is dependent on its ability to conceal that which isn't true and make it look like it is true. Do you understand that? Now, there are some of those products that are so bad, the fabrication work is so bad, that you are wondering, are they really trying to tell me you know, that this thing is what it is? Or they're trying to say, no, we're not, this is not what it is. I'll give you an example. When you used to see sports uh, uh, outfits, you know, there was a difference between what we used to call Nike outfits and Nike outfits, right? Nike outfits, you know what it is. Nike is still Nike, but it's like, <laughs> you're, you're good. But there was another one that used to rain in the 90s. It was called Nico. You know Nico? I mean, not some of you are, that, you used to buy Nico, you know. Nico, the sign for Nico was not, a, it was a swish. It was a swish, like Nike swish. It's just that in the middle, it had what you, it had a camel's hump in the middle. Some, some people call it contour. He had a contour there. So if you bought Nico, here's the point. What, what was Nico trying to be? No, it wasn't. Because you cannot look at Nico and think this is anyway. They don't even, in the name itself, they didn't put E at the end. They put what? Oh, Nico is not Nike. Nico is what? Nico. If you wanted to fabricate the resurrection, this isn't the way you would do it. The story of the resurrection is not trying to, is not Nike trying to be Nike. It is Nico trying to be what? Nico. For example, if you wanted to fabricate the story, you will not have Peter looking confused, as you see in verse 12, and the apostles actually not believing it. In fact, what would happen is on that day, Peter will get up, ah, Omo. <laughs> it's resurrection day. Guys, it's time to go. Women, stay at home. Bake the, uh, uh, broil the fish that he's going to eat when it's coming. But you know now, we know that our Lord is going to get up on this day. So let's go. And that's really important because in that society, right, the leaders of your movement, you have to treat them with dignity. Now don't forget some of these things are written after the fact. And so 
Peter is already a church leader at the time. Do you think he really appreciated it being written about him in this way? If it was going to be a fabrication, the only reason is only because it was true. Here's another thing you will not do. The first human witnesses, you will certainly not have made it women. Because on the, in those times, at best, at best, a woman's testimony was half the worth of a man's testimony in court. In court, at best. Most times it was, you know this woman, maybe she's uh, like one presidential candidate of the United States, when the woman was asking him very hard questions, he was saying, ah, I don't know, maybe she has blood coming from somewhere. I shall not call his name. Sadly, he won. Anyway, so you know, like, you know women now, a woman's testimony didn't mean much. So why would you fabricate a story that put the women as the first witnesses? It isn't Nike trying to be Nike. It is what? Nico trying to be? And here's the thing. These guys, you only fabricate something that you really want to happen. When we fabricate something, it's something that we are desiring. These guys did not want a resurrection to happen because a resurrection would have implied that the Savior was going to die. And they did not prepare for that. And after he died, if they started talking about the resurrection, it was very dangerous for them. In fact, these people were hiding at the time. But the evidence we have is that all of these men died, not because of the story of the resurrection, but they died insisting that actually it happened. Why would they do that if it was a fabrication? No, you know what I think is nonsense with all due respect? I think it is nonsense for you to continue to hold on to the belief that this was a fabrication when logically this is not how fabrications work. Amen? But secondly, there are those who say it doesn't matter. Can you put up the picture there? This guy, Bill Withers, he died in 2020. Died in 2020. And if I ask most of you who he was, as you are looking, you say, Bill who? Bill Kinney. Who is he? Then I'll say something. If I said something like this, I wish, I wish Rachel could help me. If I said, ain't no sunshine when she's gone, you'd be like, oh. But some of them will be too young for that. And so if I said, lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend, you'd be like, ah. Or maybe that one is still too far. And then I say, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. And all of a sudden, I say, I know Bill. <laughs> yeah, even a lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. You know, I'm like, I know him, I know him. No, you don't know him, he's dead. But you say, no, but his music lives on even though he is dead. And for many of us Christians, it's like, why are you debating all this issue about whether it happened or it didn't happen? Jesus lives in my heart. I don't want to start dividing with people. Let's not argue over all these things. Jesus is real to me because he lives in my heart. For some of us, it's not about that. It's like, what? All these things. You know what? It's not about the physical resurrection that matters. What really matters is the concept, the idea of resurrection. 
It is that my career, though it is nose diving, my career is going to change course. It is that though my business is in a dry bone valley, the dry bones shall live. It is that even though Arsenal does not seem like they will rise, they shall rise again. You understand? I thought you would say amen. <laughs> that one is really hard. <laughs> it's so hard. You see, we see it as Nigeria is dead, but there shall arise a new Nigeria. So we see the resurrection is not really about the resurrection. It's about resurrections. With all due respect, the apostles did not die for a belief in resurrections. They died for the belief in the resurrection. While it is true that you can have some, you see these concepts happening here and there, they are only rooted, if they are true, in a historic event of a physical bodily resurrection. Because if that did not happen, that says something about the disciples, and it says something about you. And you'd be like, is it Femi saying it? No, it's the Bible that says it. 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, if this thing didn't happen, I am a fraudster, I am stupid, and I am a crank, and you are deceived. Not if the ideas don't work. Listen to what he says. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, you are deceived. He says, our preaching is useless, and so is your. We shouldn't be here. Just on the idea that, that dry bones can, can rise. He says, there's something about us. And this is, we who are preaching it, there's something about us. The first one is that we are fraudsters. He says, more than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, even though he did not. The second one he's saying is that if there is no resurrection, right, why do we endanger our lives every hour? In fact, he's saying it's not that we are stupid, we are stupid. Why am, I, why am I endangering my life? And then the third thing is, because of the resurrection, I have denied myself certain things. I am looking forward to a time that is to come. So I, I, this, I you know, say I'm not going to be in this place. I'm not going to be in this place. He says there's no resurrection. Omo, it is in this life. You better enjoy your best life now. Let us eat. Let us drink. Let us party. Because if it did not happen. So in other words, you know what Paul is saying? Guys, it happened and it matters. Stop trying to relegate it for the sake of unity. No, you see, you are implicitly showing that you think it's nonsense, even though you are trying to say, no, I'm just taking a neutral approach. Here is the thing. Well, what is actual nonsense is you calling yourself a follower of Christ when you don't care if he really rose from the dead. That's nonsense. So if we come to find that this thing isn't nonsense after all, that brings me to my second point. But let me start with this, with my second point, the word of promise. There's a lady called Alice Roberts. She's a professor at the University of Birmingham. She's a leading humanist, and she's also a first-rate party pooper. Because on Friday, Friday, Good Friday, there's a time she decided to release this tweet. Just a little reminder today, Dead people don't come back to life. Breaking news. You know who would have agreed with her? All of Jesus' early disciples. 
this is, they knew this 2,000 years before she did. Why do I say that? You know, if you saw Cristiano Ronaldo, right, in his um, uh, football gear on a weekend, you are not going to assume that he is attending his university graduation. Whereas, on the converse, if you saw a person, a graduate, wearing a, a graduation gown, you do not assume that that person is on their way to go and play football, do you? So when you see the women on the morning preparing spices that are for dead people, how can you assume that they are trying to go and meet somebody that is alive? They were going to the tomb because they understood that dead people don't come back to life. But listen to me. To say that dead people don't come back to life is only an assertion of what has historically happened. It is not a scientific proof of what cannot happen in the future. To assert that this thing, dead people don't come back to life, you're only saying this has been the universal human experience up until this time. It doesn't prove that something cannot change in the future. Are you following me? And that's why the angels asked, why do you seek, in verse 5, the living among the dead? Why are you looking for? Who are you looking for? The person you are looking for, you think that person is dead. So you are looking for the living among the dead. Notice, they are identifying Jesus by where they locate Jesus. Where you locate or you look for Jesus is saying something about who you think Jesus is. In other words, I want to ask, which Jesus are you making spices for? Why are you seeking the living among the dead? Because they mistook Jesus' identity. And many times, we too still mistake Jesus' identity. We have many Jesuses that we are making spices for. You know, the way we make the Jesus who we make spices for is by exclusively or solely emphasizing one aspect of Jesus that we know. Should I say that again? The Jesuses that are dead that we create are Jesuses that we emphasize one aspect of the truth about Jesus. Let me explain. I want to give you eight kinds of Jesus. First one, the prosperity Jesus. He is guaranteed to give you all the wealth you want if you pray with faith. Second one is the poverty Jesus. He wants you to sell all you have to give to the poor so that you too can be poor and holy, of course, because that's how you get holy, by being poor. Then third is the physician Jesus, the master healer. He will heal you from every single disease that you have when you pray in faith. But then there's the fourth one, is the presence Jesus. He will never heal you or deliver you from anything, but he will always give you his presence to comfort you. Then you have the paraport, Jesus. He's your BFF, your best friend forever, who speaks to you always in dreams, visions, and in your heart. Not just through the Bible, because he understands you don't like theology. Then you have the principal Jesus, who only speaks to you through theology and biblical principles, not in visions, dreams, or in your heart at all. Number seven. You have the purity Jesus. The purity Jesus is disgusted by you and will never forgive you for committing that sin and that sin and those big sins. 
And my final, the final one, my favorite, is the party after party Jesus. He doesn't care about your sin, but rather his priority is your freedom and enjoyment. After all, he was the friend of sinners and he loved parties. Can I tell you, don't trust in any of these Jesuses. Because these Jesuses are the kinds of Jesus you should only make spices for. He is dead. He is in the tomb. And this Jesus cannot save you. Amen? Because if you go and look for the real Jesus, looking for him, then you know what the angels will tell you? He is not here. He is only a figment of your own imagination. The problem with these Jesuses is that we, not Jesus himself, is in control of Jesus' identity and therefore his destiny. It is the Jesus of our own making, not the Jesus of, the real, of history, not Jesus as he has presented himself to be. Which is why the angels, in trying to correct the disciples, you know what they did? They said, don't you remember the word of promise? Don't you remember what he told you in verses 6 and 7? He says, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. He had told them. In fact, in this book of Luke, four times he had told them that this was going to happen. Let me give you two of them. In Luke 9.22, you know what it says? And the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. In other words, Jesus knew he was going to die. He wasn't a prisoner of circumstance. Do you understand that? He was in control, not that they were in control of him. Look at Luke 18, verse 32 to 33. He said himself, another time, he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. Jesus was in full control of his identity and his destiny. People were not in control of him. Circumstances weren't in control of him. Demons were not in control of him. And guess what? Not even Satan was in control of his death. And because they were not in control of his death, they could not have been in control of what was going to happen after his death. There was one that was in control of it. And permit me to imagine what this one would have said. What words would have been uttered to the grave, to death, to the heavy stone. He would have said something like this. On the third day, to the grave, the one who created the sand and the rocks that formed the grave, he would have said, grave, when it comes to this one, you are out of a job. To death, he would have said, which death, which had up until this time held every single human captive within its prison walls, he would have said, death, your death has come. And then to the heavy stone which sealed up the grave and with no human could roll away on their own. He would have said, massive stone, it is time for you to become a rolling stone. Why? Because the king of kings is done with his royal nap. Because the warrior of warriors was victorious in his cosmic battle against sin and death. Because the savior of saviors has completed his rescue mission. Because the maker of makers is making all things new. Because he is risen from the dead. Stop seeking him where he isn't. The time has come. He is risen. He is no longer there. Why do you seek the living among the dead? For the real Jesus, the real Savior, is risen. Not just in your heart. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And so this word of promise that he was promising them, 
had all of a sudden become a word of historical fact. But you see, this word of historical fact is not just for some kind of intellectual exploration. Yes, the truth and the history matters. We need to ascertain that it matters because whatever happens from that is built on whether it is true or not. But there's one more thing I want us to see, which takes me to my third point, a word of hope. I was speaking with someone uh, last week, and the person was telling me about a friend of theirs who had gone through so much, had been in a relationship for, if I'm not mistaken, probably 12 years, and the boyfriend ended the relationship 12 years. Please let that sink in, 12 years. Not too long after, um, because the person, I mean, obviously, was totally heartbroken, but she was trying to go back to work. She was going to work because she didn't want it. She had a senior position. She didn't want the work to be affected by what she was going through. But you know, she would get in and she would cry. It was so devastating for her. Eventually, they fired her on top of this. She took her life. And I don't want to presume, because I don't know whether there was a mental condition there, but here's what I do know. Many times when people get to that stage, it's because they are hopeless. You see, hopelessness, when you read that stage, it then questions meaning for existence. Our meaning for existence is usually tied to something. Our purpose is usually tied to something, somewhere that we are trying to go. The problem is this. The thing that we hope for most in life, we often we are hoping that we'll get it from someone or something that we are mostly devoted to. When both of them are taken away, all of a sudden, there is no more hope. Are you with me? Here's the thing about the resurrection. It's brutally honest about the conditions we face in this world. And as honest as it is about those things, it is even more honest that you should never give up hope. I don't know if you are here today, and maybe that tragedy is holding you down. I don't know if you are here today because you are not even sure how things will happen. Based on some of the news you've heard, you are giving up hope. Can I beg you, don't give up hope. Can I beg you? Don't take the way of doing something tragically harmful to yourself. You know why? I'm not saying this just because I believe in you. I'm not saying this just because you are the hope of what is to come. I'm not saying that because I know you can rise again. I am saying that. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead. Let me explain. Because someone will say something like this. I can't see Jesus. Okay, I can see why. These people would have had hope. They eventually saw Jesus. But I can't see Jesus. You know one funny thing? On that same day, that same day, Jesus appeared to two disciples on a road to Emmaus. And he also appeared to Peter. Now the guys on the road to Emmaus, right? Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus was concealed from, he actually concealed himself from them recognizing him. And Jesus did not say to them immediately, 
I have risen from the dead. Jesus took them to the scriptures. 24 verse 27. He says this, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, Jesus is saying, even though I have left here, I have fulfilled the word that I promised, but now I'm giving you a word of hope. And that word of hope, even though I'm not here, it is contained in the scriptures. If you want to find out where your hope lies, don't look inside yourself. Don't look outside to people. Don't look on Instagram. Don't look, please, don't look on Instagram because people whose marriages you think are happening and they are giving married advice. All of a sudden, they are divorcing. And they don't, don't look in all those places. Look at where you can find the real story about Jesus. And in the scriptures, he says, I am giving you a hope that no one can take away from you. Sometimes the words of, of hopelessness that come to us, it starts with this. It says, I can't measure. I can't measure up to their standards. I can't measure up to my standards. Most times we can't measure up to our own standards. The, the standards we set for ourselves, we violate our own standards. In other words, we sin against ourselves. Or if you think you are keeping your standards, it's because your standards are too low. Here's what happens. God says, you can't keep my standards. My standards are infinitely high for you. But if you repent and believe in this Jesus that was raised from the dead, you know what will happen? I'll give you a clean slate. It says, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to his name. That is the first place he gives you hope. He's saying that whatever you have done, whatever you will do, I can assure you, not just because Jesus died, but because he rose from the dead, I can give you a brand new start. And so if you think that the person jilting you is a condemnation on you, maybe, but do not condemn yourself when God has not condemned you. In Jesus Christ, he is saying that you can have a new start. But secondly, some of us will just say something like this. I can't find the zeal and the energy to live. Or I can't find the will. You know, I don't know if you've ever woken up in the morning and you'll be like, I just don't feel like going to work today. My heart is cold. My heart is, I just don't know. You know what he says again, another promise, he says, as they read the scriptures, when eventually Jesus Christ showed that he was the one, and then he disappeared, you know what these people said? They said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked on the road, uh, uh, while he talked with us on the road, and open the scriptures to us. Part of why our hearts are so cold, friends, is that we are looking for our hearts to be warmed in the wrong place. But God is saying, if you believe in this Jesus who rose from the dead, if you, if you focus on this Jesus, if you meditate on this Jesus, he will give you a burning heart. There are some of us here who are already Christians. You have been born again, but you need to burn again. And because Jesus rose from the dead, he said, I can give you a burning heart. You see, you have no will, you have no energy. But then the final thing is, what does this all amount to? Fine, if I, I've made all the money I can make, I can't spend it all. I'm going to pass it on to somebody. I don't even know whether that person is not going to squander the wealth. I love my wife, 
But here's what I know. One of us is going to see the other person enter into the grave. So what is the whole essence of this love? I love my children. But I am not sure whether they will become all the things I want them to become. I love this business that I've built. But at some point, I'm going to retire and I don't know whether somebody is going to bring it down. Do you get what I'm saying? Ultimately, everything that we are working for, everything that we hold out hope for, they all have their expiry date. Because ultimately, you will die. Ultimately, you what? You will die. Except, except, except Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, in John chapter 5, he says this. There is a time that is coming, not for the expiration of all hopes, but actually for the beginning of a brand new hope. He says, very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and now has come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will what? Will live. He says, don't be amazed for a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out and they will rise to live. I hope you are hearing what he's saying. He's saying that there is coming a time. Let us say, Nanket, that in 80 years from now, you eventually die and you're in the grave. A time is coming when those who visit your grave will come and they will see. And somebody will say, you know what? Why are you looking for Nanket here? She is risen. You know I mean, a time is coming that some people are going to bring flowers to your grave. And somebody is going to say, it is not needed. You know why? Because he is not here. Because Jesus rose from the dead, there will be several entities empty tombs on that day because there is one empty tomb. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I can assure you that death is not our destination. It is only a detour into our journey to resurrection glory. Because Jesus rose from the dead, there is no hope that you can have in this world that will not be taken away from you. But that which God will give to you can never be taken away from you. This is a sure guarantee. This is an anchor for you to hold on to. And speaking to anyone who has known one tragedy, and speaking to somebody here today who feels that they have no will to live. Jesus lived for you, but he also died for you. But now that he is alive, you also can live again. And you also can have new hope. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church Love Jesus Love people Love Lagos